Well, we learned more this week from authorities in Mexico about the shooting deaths of two Canadians at a luxury resort in the resort area of Playa del Carmen near Cancun last week. According to uh, the Mexican prosecutor, a senior Mexican prosecutor, it was motivated by debts between international gangs, apparently dedicated to drug and weapons trafficking. The investigations indicate that the attack was motivated again by debts and had been planned for a while, that uh, there had been another plan for an attack earlier uh, that had been called off because of security and then was carried out last week. So still lots to figure out there. It is, of course, not the first time we've read about uh, about violence in that particular area, a very popular tourism area, the Mayan Riviera. In November, there was a shootout on the beach of Puerto Morelos that left two suspected drug dealers dead. And in late October, Tulum, which is a particularly quiet place most of the time, uh, two tourists, one a California travel blogger born in India, another German, were killed in an apparent crossfire during a shootout between rival drug dealers there. It's often the only time we talk about uh, unfortunately, uh, given what's going on, we talk about um, the violence that sometimes crosses between those two worlds in Mexico, the tourism world and the drug world. They're often connected. The demand within the tourism world often drives the drugs into those areas to begin with. But we really wanted to take a deeper look into the impact cartels are having, not just in, in areas such as Cancun and Playa del Carmen on the Mayan Riviera, but throughout the country. And to help us do that is Emmanuel Gallardo. He's a Mexican-born journalist currently working on a book about the inner workings of drug cartels and the explosion of violence in Mexico because of them. Welcome to the show, Emmanuel. Thank you very much for having me tonight. I'm really fascinated by about your work and, and mostly how you started. Uh, I mean, how did you get interested in in the activities of cartels and where did you begin? What were your first stories like? Uh, my first stories, well, actually, I began back in 1994, 1993, with uh, a very close approach to uh, the prostitution rings in Mexico City. Before I was a professional journalist, it was that was my first approach. My father is a journalist as well, so I'm uh, I come from a, a family of journalists. But in specific about uh, organized crime, it's very important for uh, journalists in Mexico now to consider that it's. Uh, a problem that goes beyond drug trafficking. There's a lot of uh, mythology involved because of the shows, because of the all the culture that uh, surrounds the the problem of uh, organized crime. So it's since many years ago, but I am focusing now in organized crime in Michoacan, uh, for instance, in Mexico City as well. And well, that's that's pretty much why I got involved in this. I was going to say there's there's been I mean there's so much to look into there. When you talk about it being so much more than just drug cartels, what do you mean? How far does it permeate into society in a way that maybe our listeners wouldn't wouldn't know or wouldn't know to know? For instance, most of the time we think that uh, uh, there's a war. You know, and, and the word uh, war, it's, it's pretty big, though. But uh, if we consider that beyond drug trafficking, there's more things that uh, we are not considering, such as uh, uh, natural resources, for instance. Uh, natural resources in Michoacan, uh, like avocado, uh, or natural resources in La Cuenca de Burgos, in Tamaulipas. 
And most of the time, it's pretty common to say that it's drugs or they are fighting because of the uh, roots of drug trafficking. But it's more, it's, uh, it's very political. The, there's a link between the organized uh, uh, criminals and the politicians. Uh, they can, I mean, the organized crime in Mexico cannot exist without the corruption of the politicians. So, uh, like, for instance, what is happening right now in Cancun, in the Mayan Riviera, mm-hmm. it's just a reflection of that corruption. The, Mexico has a high, very high level of impunity because of that corruption. We're talking about that it's almost 98% of impunity, which means that you can do whatever you want and get rid of the problem without, you know, facing any kind of consequence. So it's, it's that. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking with Emmanuel Gallardo, a Mexican-born journalist currently working on a book about the inner workings of the cartels and the violence that has ensued. I, I wanted to talk about the Mayan Riviera, and of course, you know, that's what always makes headlines here because people are so familiar with some of the areas that that were this, some of this, very little of this violence, but some of this violence takes place. But I want to touch on something that you just mentioned, which is which is sort of the wide array of things that that are now fall under the guise of, of organized crime. And you mentioned avocados. Um and I just want to ask you about that because I don't know whether people are aware of what the links are. Yes. Um, in Michoacán, in the Tierra Caliente, in the hotland, there's where the Tancitaro, uh, it's, it's a town in Michoacán where it's the, it's the biggest uh, avocado producer in the world. And avocado, it's the, it's the green gold nowadays in Mexico. And Groups of the uh, criminal organizations since maybe 20 years ago were extortioning the producers, were uh, collecting quota or to, you know, to let the, the workers work safe. And, well, now we can see that, uh, I don't know if you remember back in 2013, it was an uprise in that area in specific because they were tired of uh, those extortions of uh, the assassinations the kidnappings all the violations of basic human rights that uh, are not headlines in the regular media you know because uh, it's very complex to talk about what is going on right now in mexico nowadays uh, it's pretty complex each state each municipality has its own problems. And we need anthropologists, psychologists, social psychologists that can uh, intervene, that can see further of what is going on here nowadays in Mexico. It's pretty, uh, it's a complexity and the corruption is really a big problem. I was just reading that in Michoacan, there's been some thousands, tens of thousands of people have been moved off, displaced from their homes, their land, yes. because of all the fighting that's going on. So this is something that impacts people right in their backyards. They might as well be, I mean, not to you, you it's not a war, but they might as well be in a war zone. Exactly. As you said, uh, um, a couple of months ago, there were up to 3,000 displayed displaced people from Michoacan stuck in Tijuana. They were, they were trying to, to ask for refugee or asylum or, uh, in, in the U.S. 
in the zone of uh, Aguililla, in Michoacán, Cualcomán, El Aguaje, those areas in the heartland that are very close to the state of Colima, uh, it's, it's the wild, wild west. I am talking about that politicians are uh, colluded with the organized crime, and they're not looking for the people's interest. Here in Canada, we're used to see how the uh, democracy works, and it's pretty awesome, right? But in certain regions in Mexico, being a politician means that you're going to make money, that you are going to be, you know, just pretending that you are doing something for the community. But the reality is that in certain places, the organized crime rules. In what way? I'm going to tell, I mean, one of my sources uh, in the book that I'm writing, uh, he was a jefe de plaza, right? He's chief of plaza, which is just a term that uh, it's now pretty common. In like a mayor or... Like a mayor? Or, or, no, yeah. It's like the rep, the the, the um, representative of the criminal group in that region, right? Right. But and he has more power than a political that has been elected legally by the people. You know. So, yeah. uh-huh. go ahead. No, that was just, I was going to let you let you finish. I mean, we're going to take a quick break. I really want to ask you, because I think people are really curious about how those worlds sure. intersect in the Mayan Riviera, because we're so used to seeing those names. And I also want to ask, of course, because we read about this all the time, is just the sheer risk that journalists such as yourself take to tell these stories about the cartels in Mexico these days. Uh, Emmanuel Gallardo, Hold on for just a moment. We'll be right back after this with more insight on Mexico's cartels. I'm back with Emmanuel Gallardo, a Mexican-born journalist currently working on a book about the inner workings of the Mexican cartels and the explosion of violence that it's brought with it. Uh, Thanks for staying with us. I really want to touch on a bit of just what we've read about the Mayan Riviera in the past bit. Mm Because I know there's been a tourist army sent in, quote-unquote, as as we've called it, as well as, you know, sort of an upswing in violence. And I was wondering from your perspective, what is it that we're seeing? Because it feels like we're seeing the two worlds collide, the tourism world and the drug world. At the same time, we know that there's a lot of demand in the tourism world from the drug world that brings them in. Yes. Uh, well, we have to consider the political environment right now at that state, Quintana Roo. They are going to have uh, elections in June, July. Okay. So when that happens, all the uh, organized uh, crime members start seeing with what politician they are going to go with, right? And that's actually what uh, the population is waiting for. That's reason that we can see a lot of violence uh, right now in the region. But uh, as you said, there, there are two separate worlds. One world is the tourism. The other world, it's the, it's the crime. So... As uh, if you are a Canadian tourist and if you want to go to enjoy Mexico, its beaches, restaurants, and the beauty of the Mayan Riviera, you can go. There's no problem. Nobody's going to be waiting for you with a gun or something like that. So it's totally safe. But if you go to Mexico and you want to find drugs, hard drugs, cocaine, or something like that, because I mean, it's it's not a secret. That place is a paradise for for drugs. Okay, 
So if you're looking for that kind of entertainment, prostitution, or something like that, you are entering in that world that you are saying. It's a parallel world. You're going to be safe if you stay at your resort, if you go to, you know, as a regular tourist. But if you want to try to do something, you have to, I mean, else, you know, like goes uh, above the law, you have to consider that uh, that world is ruled by the mafia, by the criminal organizations, and you're on your own. So if you're at two in the morning trying to be adventurous, and if you want to go to a bar because you met the taxi cab driver that is telling you that in that place you can find whatever you want, well, you're risking yourself a lot. So it's yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. sorry, go ahead. And behind that, okay, that's for the tourism, right? That's uh, for for the people for international tourism that go to Mexico. But what about the Mexicans that are living there? You know, we're talking about that there's more than 7,000 businesses in all the region. But the extortion problem, there's a crisis there, a crisis of extortions. Because even the guy that is dressing as Batman or as Spider-Man on the street outside of the, one of the big bars in Cancun, that guy is being extorted by the organized crime. Even the taco guy who has his little stand there, he's going to be paying some money all the way to the top, to the resorts. I mean, and sadly, this is something that gets, you know, pretty common. People, because they are afraid, they don't go to the authorities because they are also afraid of the authorities because they don't know. Just just imagine that you are being extorted and you want to go to the police and you are afraid to go to the police because you don't know if they have connections with the criminals and after three days something is going to happen to you so they are trapped people are trapped businesses are trapped what do you make of this um of president obrador's tourist security battalion that he sent in last year after one of those incidents in Tulum, which of course involved some innocent bystanders caught in a, in a, in a shootout. Is it, is it just, just show, is it just to show it, it doesn't change anything to have a tourist security battalion in? I think it's about 1500 national guard, right. That have been sent into that area. Yeah. Those are military personnel. Mm-hmm. What we don't, we don't need that. We don't need more, more army guys there. We don't need salute. We need solutions. But coming from from the very bottom, not only just a display of power, of, you know, muscle with a lot of guns and armed guys and all that stuff. I mean, I understand that it's necessary, but guess why? Because the police cannot do that. It's supposed that the police is prepared for that. Soldiers prepared to kill. They are used to kill people, you know, because they are soldiers. They are trained to do that. But a police, why the police officers are not capable to do that? Because they are corrupted. So why do we need all that display of, of, of uh, power? Because we need to show to the world that they are safe. And if we need to have the, 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 the Marines there uh, or, or the military there, well, the government is going to try to do it. So, I mean, uh, it's in order to try to solve these in a very, like, lasting way we don't need more military we need to see what's going on from the very bottom 
We need to remove the corruption from the judicial system. We need to have the freedom to go to the authorities and mm-hmm. to know that they are going to help us because we don't have any justice. You were telling me about being a reporter in Mexico. Well, as many of you know, Mexico, it's the most dangerous place in the world to be a journalist. Just to have to give you an idea in uh, We're just coming up on time here, Manuel. I'm sorry. I'm just a, a last word to you. Uh, yes, uh, sorry. Just yeah. to give you an idea about uh, uh, what is going on with the, with the journalist in Mexico. Yeah. In January, three journalists have been murdered in Mexico. Just in January. 28 journalists have been assassinated in all this uh, new administration with uh, Mr. Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. 28 wow. journalists. 148 journalists. In 22 years. So they yeah. are killing us. Emmanuel, I gotta, we could talk about this all night. It's been fascinating. Thank you so much for your insight. Have a great night. You have a great night as well.